Hello and welcome to Week in Politics. This is episode nine. I'm Harvey and I'm joined with Albert and Odysseus as usual. There is no special guest this week, but we've got a very, we've got a cracking episode lined up for you all. Um, so we're going to, firstly, we're going to go into the news, talk about what's been happening in the news, and then we're also going to talk about the state of the parties in the UK, the Lib Dems, Labour, Conservatives, what we think uh, they're like at the moment, where we're going to go in the future, can they improve, can they, are they going to get worse? Uh, we're going to look at that. But, uh, you know, Albert, Ollie, how are you doing today? It's, it's great to have you uh, on as usual. It's been a bit of a dry week, hasn't it, really, politics-wise? Yeah, not been that exciting, really. I mean, there's also the, the Tommy Robinson thing. It's been, uh, you know, something that's... Oh, yes, he has. He's emigrated, hasn't he? I mean, Tommy's a big oh, yeah, fan yeah, of the yeah. podcast. He's a, he's a refugee in Spain. He's not a refugee. He's the hypocrisy. It really is. He's, he's gone full circle. Um, I expect him to be in one of those little camps soon, I think. It'd be quite amusing to see him in one of them. Um, but anyway... Uh, no, <laughs> right into the into the news this week. Obviously, it's been a, a busy week for the government, the UK government, uh, with coronavirus. Obviously, they brought the fourteen day quarantine if you are coming back from Spain. Uh, initially, that was just Spain, the island, uh, Spain mainland, but then they now include the islands with that as well, so the Canaries and the Baltics. Um, Albert, what do you think of of this sort of? Is it too little, too late from the government? It's a bit of a, a silly tactic, isn't it? I mean, right now it's a bit, well, a bit of a silly. It's, it's 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 interesting to me because it's it seems seems quite harsh to, to, to impose the, the quarantine on the whole of Spain when there's quite a bit few areas in Spain where it doesn't it's certainly it's only the same as in Britain or you know anything like that really I don't think it's like like you know the islands in particular and other bits of Spain don't seem that bad the mainly poorly affected areas or Barcelona and a few of the cities but um, so perhaps not the best policy for the entirety of Spain I might say. Mm. Oddie what do you think? God, it's, 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 I'm, I'm baffled by it all what do you think? Um, well, I think that there's sort of points for both sides in the sense of the UK still has a much higher death toll than any country in Europe. So in that sense, it doesn't really make any sense at all. And really, deaths are in some ways the best indicator, but then they're, I guess there's also, they are also problematic because if you had coronavirus but got hit by a bus, you technically died of coronavirus. That's, there are issues there. And then also there's obviously issues with the infections, which is what it's probably the best argument to say that people should be quarantined because I think infections per million people or however many people is considerably higher in Spain than it is in the UK at the moment. Mm. I mean, I agree with, with, the, with the quarantine uh, from any country coming back in. I think mean, you should serve a quarantine, uh, you know, a time, 14 days, seven days, whatever it, it shall be. But I mean, Spain's a, a baffling. I know the, the cases are rising, but I mean, that's in mainland Spain. I mean, the, to, to include the Canary Islands and the Baltics and things like that, it's... It's bizarre, Bal- really. Balearic, not the Baltics. Baltics, you didn't play. Ah, oh, okay, Baltics, but whatever, whatever. I, I, my geography's too poor. Um, no, no, it's all right. I I just... only did it. You can only t- uh, tell I only did it to GCSE. And even yeah. then, my teachers were crap. Um, but you could, you <laughs> could <listening>. tell. <laughs> they probably are. Um, but yeah, I just don't understand. You know, they, the Canaries have had a, have done a very small, you know, set of islands. They, they've done a very good job. And it's actually closer to Africa than it is to Spain. I don't understand how it, it makes a difference, to be honest. And the fact that you could fly to Tenerife then catch a flight from Tenerife to mainland Spain. And then uh, if, if the quarantine wasn't in place originally, when it was in, in, in May, with just mainland Spain, you could get around it so easy. I just don't understand. I just don't understand at all. It really does baffle me. And I, I'm getting the impression that this could be maybe a political move from the government uh, on, on Spain and, and the EU. Uh, you know, Spain's main industry is, is tourism. And we're hitting it pretty hard here. Uh, Albert, what do, you, what do you think of that? Uh, that sort of well, theory I, I think that would be a bit of a stupid thing to do, considering all the money that British tourist like companies make. You know, British Airlines, uh, 
tourism operators like i don't think it's just spain that'd be making the money like you'd be slightly shooting your you know what's that mm. thing about uh shooting your shooting, your, shooting your, yourself in the foot you know you sort of you know it's to spite your face or whatever. Oh, okay you know what i mean Cutting I, if I, your nose to spite your face yeah you're not yeah, good yeah. you're not good at those i'm not good at jobs right. no no <laughs> i was thinking of biting the hand that feeds you but that's a different thing <laughs> um but you know what i mean that's what, I mean. <laughs> what do you what do you think of it do you think it's a political thing or do you think it's it's just just stupid um i don't really think it's a political thing i mean it certainly can't be in some ways because obviously it's so against the interest of the government as or actually so against the department that's made it because also we found out that grand shops was in spain at the time and we'll have to quarantine i think that the thing is is i think there should be some questions in terms of the fact that they've not managed to deal with it in the correct way in the sense that obviously even countries that obviously had because obviously the, in the end britain had more cases and more deaths um than spain with coronavirus but things have sort of become a lot more stable whereas in spain they're much more rising again and also if you look at you know tourism economies um you know if you look at greece for example they've not really as in there have been cases more cases but it's not really spiked and so i think that there is a point that maybe spain you know hasn't done well enough to control it in terms of like once they'd got to the stability post lockdown you know maybe they could have done a better job of like anti-covid tourism basically mm. i've just got this picture in my head of grant chap sitting there because he's, he's a pasty boy isn't he he's, he's not a he's you know he's he's He's, he's, he needs a son. And I can imagine him sitting there on a on a beach eating an ice cream and just getting that getting that BBC notification on his phone and just going off. Oh, for fuck's sake, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly not been told. I mean, I know the government. I give him credit for you know seeing a danger and enforcing this. Uh, you know, maybe it's a bit white, too widespread over Spain, but you know, enforcing it as quickly. But uh, poor Grant Shapps. I mean, he's now had to go two weeks off. Probably it's actually good for the government for him to be two weeks off, so he's not in the daily briefings anymore because he is very very boring. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I do get it. Do you think that there'll be other restrictions, Albert, uh, in other places? I know they're talking about Luxembourg is going to be one. Well, out. I mean, it seems that that's what the policy is going to be, because I know plenty of other countries have had a similar policy or even more specific. Like I know in Belgium, they won't allow you to come if from Leicester, from the UK. Like so, although I don't exactly know how they enforce that, but, you know, other countries have been even more specific than just one country. So it seems like this will be the way forward that if countries see spikes, they're going to yeah. be shut down. But what uh, that does to the tourism industry is difficult to say. Yeah, and honestly, what do you think? Do you think it'll uh, expand to more? Do you think we'll have more countries that we're not allowed to go to in the, next, in the coming weeks and months? Um, I think probably. I think that there will be, you know, coronavirus <clears throat> is clearly not... I mean, whether there's a proper second spike in the level of the first spike or not is a different question, but there clearly are going to be rises in cases and infections. Um, you know, which countries come onto that, it's quite difficult to say because, you know, you can never say what will happen in a month's time. I mean, even, you know, if you think about it a month ago, you probably never would say that the UK would be, you know, quarantining a country like Spain as a reaction due to actual statistics because of how much further behind the UK was the rest of the EU. So it's difficult to say, but I imagine this kind of thing will probably happen again. Mm. And uh, but obviously this is bad news for the um, uh, for the you know holidays in Spain and uh, you know um, and for, uh, for airlines and things like that. But this is great news for sure. It's great news for UK holidaymakers over here. You know uh, campsites, um, you know cottage holders, uh, Airbnb over here. It's going to be surely that will. Do you think it'll improve business over here for people wanting to stay in the UK and holiday here to improve our own economy? 
Well, uh, potentially, but the kind of people who go on holiday to Magaluf and stuff, I wouldn't really want them holidaying in Scarborough <laughs> or wherever. I mean, you can send them all to Blackpool. I mean, surely that's the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, send them to Blackpool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ollie, what do you think? Do you think it's, it's good news for the UK? Sort of. Uh, yes, in the sense that it like encourages more people to have a holiday in the UK. But on the other hand, like they obviously they still have to do all the things to make them COVID safe um, and social distancing, you know, like coronavirus is ultimately making everyone's businesses harder. So to a large extent, I would say no, because I think that there's still quite a lot of things that they wouldn't be able to open anyway. But in some ways, it provides more possible clients. Mm. Well, this is a great time to announce the A Week in Politics annual camping trip, which is happening very, very soon. Uh, obviously, you'll see it live on our, on our social medias, um, oh, at right. A Week in Politics and at Real Podcastings on Twitter. Uh, you'll be able to see the, what we, the antics we get up to over there. Uh, but uh, that's great. You know, we're going off. We're going to be you know, putting uh, money back into the local uh, to the economy, the UK holidaymakers. And I think it's, it's a great thing. I hope this is an opportunity that people take that you don't have to go abroad. Uh, you know, sunshine indoors, they say, you know, keep this, you know, may not have a sunshine here, but down south, there's some beautiful places. And I think this, this is the perfect time for people to understand that we don't have to go abroad to holiday here. You know, people need the money here. This is what we should be doing for a couple of years. Um, because as it's seen, it's, it's, it's such a, an environment at the moment where you can't really go abroad and feel comfortable. You know, it, it, I mean, definitely not in Spain. In some areas you will do like Greece and things where they've handled it extremely well. But, um, but no, I just don't think it's, it's, it's good to go on holiday at this time. I think it's good to go in England, improve the economy over here, and then we'll see what happens in a couple of years when, uh, uh, when the vaccine's out and things like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah no, you, I'm sure you agree with that. Um, yeah, um, so this week I went to a, uh, that's the news, that's the only thing happening in the news really this week. It's been a bit of a, a dry news week. Has anyone got any, any news they want to bring up at all? Oh, well, I mean, there is the news today that Donald Trump is already attempting to question ah, yes. like the, how the election is, which is, of course, quite worrying. I think quite a lot of people are of the opinion that he's, if he loses, which probably will at this point, but we don't know. But if, if he does, he will basically refuse to leave the White House, which, you know, is obviously... Concern, I mean, not just concerning, but basically a disaster waiting to happen for so many reasons. Well, uh, yeah, something for us to all dread. I mean, I mean, he does. I mean, this is all about the 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 postal vote, or as they say, the the mail mail order vote, or is is over there. Where in this country, postal votes happened for so long and it works very well. I don't understand what the Americans have, but again, this goes back to episodes. You know, the episode we had on the on the United States where we said it's fifty different countries. You know, each state is its own country, its own laws. It's very difficult to maintain. And this is why the postal vote's not going to, to work. And I understand where Trump's coming from here. There is a, with it not being used before, there is signs that it could be a bad start to use it this time. Uh, but for him to say that he's not going to leave the White House, I think, I think that's just him, you know, being, you know, speaking before he thinks. I think, he, you know, as you know, you've got two months in the White House before you actually have to leave in January. So... I don't know. I think I think I understand where he's coming from with the mail order votes thing. I think that's it. I don't think a delay in the election is the right thing to do because it's in the constitution. He physically can't do it anyway. Um, but Albert, what do you think? Do you, do you make of Trump's antics today? Well, yeah, it does seem more sort of electioneering, trying to trying to you know 
paint it as if there's actually like major corruption problems when I, from my knowledge, there is the actual proof for that is very limited um, of actual any kind of voter fraud or anything like that. Not to say that it doesn't happen, but just no. I mean, well, he's got it. In his, he's got it in his head that he thinks it's going to be yeah, people sitting in living rooms filling out thousands of um, of postal votes. And I'm like, well, we've we've had in this country for so long. It doesn't even happen in this country. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have thousands of people filling out. But firstly, you know, if, I don't know how that's going to happen. You got to actually physically go into someone's house, or is someone going to? Uh, is the is the mail service going to be corrupt? I mean, it, it's 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 bizarre, it really, is that he's thinking this. But I do understand that it's going to be. A, there's a lot more people in the United Kingdom. It, it's you know, each state's got different rules. Did you have some states doing all postal votes and some doing, you have to attend the ballot? Is, is that fair? Is that, is that how it works? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, this is definitely not the end we've heard of this. I think it's going to come up for quite a while. It's, it's definitely a storm in a teacup, this, and it's about to, about to come out. Um, yeah, Aldi, do, do you have anything else to say on that? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think I've said all my points that it's, yeah, just a bit of a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in lighter news, I've actually, I went to the pub the other day and uh, as I've, I've had a couple of pints, a couple of pints of Ruddles, which is now one twenty nine in Weatherspoons. It's not an advert. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was walking through, walking through the car park and uh, I saw the people gathering around in a car park and I was like, oh, not again. Somehow every time I go to the pub, I seem to find myself in some sort of political brawl where they just get out in a, in a car park. Of course, it was fight night again. And uh, I, I saw these fights. I wanted to just uh, obviously... I, I watched them all and I want to know, Albert and Ollie, who you thought won this. Obviously, this result does not go towards the current uh, season one of a, a Week in Politics uh, game championship. Uh, this is just a, a little bit of fun. Uh, and also play along at home, obviously, see who you think won. So the first one, it got in the ring. It's obviously it's bare knuckle fighting. You know the rules, as I've explained before. Bare knuckle fighting. Uh, first one to draw blood uh, loses. Um, so obviously, this first one was Nick Clegg versus Nick Griffin. Albert, who do you think won this one? Oh, uh I mean, I think uh, Nick Griffin's probably done his fair share of hanging around with skinheads, so he probably knows how to fight. So I'd have to back Nick Griffin. <laughs> Nick Griffin, Odys- first time we ever said that. Um, yeah. Odys- Odysseus, who do you, who you go for? In this context, I have to back. In this context, <laughs> I'm going to cut that now and say that I'm going to get the exact words yeah. that you said. I'm backing Nick Griffin. <laughs> I'm backing Nick Griffin all the way. Um, Odysseus, who do you think? I think that this is the ultimate size versus technique fight. You know, I think that <laughs> Nick Clegg would basically go for a full-on like dieting regime he'd yeah. like he'd hire a karate teacher <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, would probably just sink like 20 pints and just count on having <laughs> and i think that ultimately nick Clegg would probably come out on top I, th- I, th- I think that he'd outthink and yeah just sort of outfights nick mm. griffin well uh believe believe it or not uh nick Clegg did win the fight um, Nick, Nick Griffin uh, was too busy in, in spoons having a fight with someone else um, so he actually never made it outside so Nick Clegg won by default and also Nick Griffin failed to pay the £15 membership to join <laughs> yeah. like he did with the BNP membership so he couldn't actually join in um, and then, uh, so after that fight Nick Clegg walks off clean as usual um, and uh, the next fight was in and you know this man's been around the block I've seen him about three times on fight night now it's Ken Clark again he, he loves it he loves coming back for more but he came against Clark Kent uh, Superman's um, alter ego. Um, Albert, <laughs> so, to clarify, he doesn't have any of the powers of Superman. No, just Clark Kent. He, he can't Kent. use his powers. He's not he, Superman. He's, he's not Superman. Clark he Kent. Because presumably, if he could use his superpowers, he'd be. I mean, it'd be a fifty-fifty fight. Yeah, but who do you think I mean, won I this think, one? 
to be honest, considering Ken Clark is about eighty something, like I think Clark Ken probably could take him on. <laughs> so who you going for? You go for Clark Ken. Clark Ken. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say, see who you think. Sorry, who is Clark Kent? He's. I've just said Superman's alter ego. He's got no powers of Superman. He's just a regular man. A thirty-year-old regular man, or thirty, twenty-year-old old man. Well, I mean, Ken Clark's a lot older than thirty years old, isn't he? Yeah, that's why. That's why I thought. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I go for Clark Kent then. Clark Kent. Yeah, Clark Kent did win. Yeah, one punch and Ken Clark was down. Uh, Nothing there. Um, Also, this this is the this is the last one. It was um, uh, Tom Jones versus Tom Harwood. there's only one winner here. I mean, I'm just using this as a, as a way to get to him. Uh, Albert, who do you think won this one? I think Tom Jones, easily. Tom Jones, yeah. Odysseus? I think it wouldn't be unusual for him to win a fight. No. Odysseus, <laughs> Tom Jones or Tom Harwood? Um, I think that in that one, uh, I would probably have to go for Tom Harwood. Well, I think that realistically, you know, I think he's he's someone that as a supporter of, and as an avid supporter of the Conservative Party, he doesn't care about, you know, how much harm he brings to individuals. Clearly, uh, you know, just a very aggressive individual, naturally. I think, I think the know. problem with Tom Howard is I don't think he'd reply to the email telling him no. about the fight. Well, that's the thing. The winner of this fight was Tom Jones. And I'll tell you why. is that Tom Howard <laughs> ran scared. And the reason Tom Howard ran scared is because he's ran scared. And I'm going to say this for all the listeners out there. Tom Howard is a, uh, a ju- calls himself a journalist. Uh, calls himself calls himself a journalist uh, for Guido Forks, which is apparently a media outlet that's questionable. Uh, and I invited him to be on the podcast. I sent him a <laughs> formal email uh, to. He said he replies in two to three days, working days. Obviously, he doesn't work, so that's probably why it's taken this long. Um, and he, he, never, he never replied. So I want you to do this now. I want you to use uh, the. Uh, Tom Howard is, is said he he said he, well, he's clearly evidently doesn't want to come on this podcast. He doesn't want to face up to scrutiny on the constant uh, libel that his media outlet puts on the Guido Forks. It's just tabloid. <laughs> dot, I don't even know what it is. It's it's I not new. It's just it's just you political think. tabloid stuff. It just brings up rumors about MPs and things like that to, to simply bash the left. Which is I, I'm all for that, but not in this instance. So <laughs> I, I'm saying this to all the listeners. I want you to tweet Tom Howard and say get him on the podcast. Hashtag get him on the podcast. <laughs> That's what I want. I want him to, to face a scrutiny. And this is it. I, I, three weeks ago, this happened. And we were so excited to have him on. We planned a great episode. <laughs> and sadly, he, he never came on. And, and I'm using this now. So Tom Howard, if you're out there, I want, I want people to tweet him to say, get him on the podcast. After's in there on Twitter, Instagram. He's on all this stuff. Get him on. Get him to do a day's work. Get him on the podcast. Get him on uh, to face some scrutiny and to, and to have a bit of fun as well. You know, I want a bit of fun with him. I want to see what, you know, ask him some questions about his work. Get him on because I think that it's time that he actually faced up to some scrutiny. After we've just told him that he's never done a day's work in his life. <laughs> I don't care. He, he's, he's, he, he's, he's done it for me. I was a big fan of him before, but to ignore me like he did was absolutely not even a reply back saying fuck off. You know, just nothing at all. You know, that's it. He, he aired me and I'm, I'm disappointed in him for that. Um, but anyway, that's, that is my rant over on Tom Harwood. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to keep it going. It's a bit like Andrew, Andrew Neil when Boris Johnson never went on to debate him. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm going to be there going, uh, you know, he's, he, in times he's going to have to face up to these people, but surely he could face up to me for half an hour, but sadly yeah. he can't. Um, anyway, moving on to uh, the, the main part of this, uh, sort of the main theme of this, of this podcast episode is we're going to talk about the sort of the state of the political party in the UK. So uh, when I was sort of preparing this podcast, I thought, you know, uh, who, who we use? We're only going to talk about the sort of the, the, the front three, the, the, the main three. Uh, we're going to leave out the SNP and the Plaid because they're, their part politics don't really 
matter to me at all or matter to us really unless you're in scotland and wales which i know some of the listeners are then i'm really sorry uh we'll get to them at another episode but we're mainly going to talk about the lib dems labor and the conservatives so obviously today is the start of the leadership election for the lib dems um it's between leila moran versus sir ed davey um so <coughs> albert what's what's your opinion on the on the current situation the lib dems obviously they had, they had a shocking 2017 election a shocking 2019 general election uh, yeah i was what I was, do you think there was a good article on the bbc news actually about about this very thing about the, where the lib dems go from there which is worth worth a read yeah uh, and it was basically saying that it's they're in a really difficult position because they've they've almost tried everything really because at the same you know they've tried being the center ground like we saw someone like tim Farron trying to stick to the stuff that didn't really work and i know obviously the centrist party but i mean like they tried in the last election going a bit more radical with the anti-Brexit message, you know, like mm. pro-staying in the EU message, and that didn't work. So they really need to find some sort of, some way of appealing to people because, you know, some way of showing that they're unique almost, because at the moment they don't really have any, like any kind of unique selling point for the party, really. Mm. Um, yeah, Otis, yeah. what do you think about the, the state of the Lib Dems right now? This is their fifth leader in four years. They're more managers than Watford. <laughs> I think that they are in a very difficult position. I'm not sure if I can see how they come back. I think one thing that is perhaps an understated hit to them is the fact that Keir Starmer's taken over at the Labour Party, which means that the gaping gap between the sort of the like the left and the right, which you know obviously left a space for centrism, has kind of gone a bit. And also with Boris Johnson being quite pro-investment in terms of, you know, spending, you know, some more money to invest into the economy, I think is, again, brings that sort of gap again a bit closer. Um, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest, because the main reason that they lost so many votes because of tuition fees, which is just so far behind now that I don't think you can really put that much attention to that anymore because surely a lot of people have moved on. Um, I think that, you know, the fact they went into coalition with the Conservatives and to all intents purposes still probably would is quite worrying. I think that most Lib Dem voters are tactical voters and I'd say some more slightly centre-left and more centre-right. So I don't know. I, th I think that they're probably going to be locked out of British politics for the foreseeable future unless something dramatic changes. Mm. And obviously, um, you know, this is the, the leadership thing. You know, they've got Leila Moran, who during the general election she was the, the, the spokesperson for the sort of the stop brexit uh side her and um and uh um yeah she was a, she's i've forgotten what the, the old leader was was called um joe swinson that's what i mean she's so relevant now she's literally gone up my gone up my head but uh yeah no you know Leila moran she's obviously the the front runner uh to take the leadership off because their membership base now is a is an anti-brexit it's it's a you know uh, standpoint. Albert, what did you make of their anti-Brexit standpoint? Do you think it was the wrong thing to do in 2019? Well, definitely in retrospect, it's it was that. I mean, I, I I kind of admired them at the time for sort of going for something a bit different to try and appeal to people. Um, and to be fair, when when it, when when I read the article, they didn't they did they, they they did quite well in quite a number of seats in terms of they finished second. They finished second in quite a few seats and things like that. So they, you know, but then, you know, that's not winning any seats. So, no. Uh, Oddie, what do you think? Do you think it, it, it was a bad standpoint to take? Um, like 
sort of. I, th- I mean, the thing is, I just, I don't know. I don't really see what they can do. So I think it probably would have failed either way. Yeah, um, like I agree, yeah. So yeah, I don't think it made actually mm. that big a difference. No. I mean, see, this is where the thing, I think, as we know through elections, you know, parties don't do well when they have a single policy. That's it. And it's the thing, they didn't have anything else but that, but stop Brexit. And that was their main thing. Whereas the Conservatives and the Labour, they pushed other agendas out there, you know, investment and, and police well, on the streets. And, uh, you know, message, but not like, you, not if that is that message alienates, you know, 50%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's where they, that's for me where they went wrong. They, they pushed the stop Brexit message too much. That should have been their focal point. Like get Brexit done was like, I don't Labour didn't have a, what did Labour have a slogan at all? Was it? For I the many, not the few. Was that was one in 2017, wasn't it? It's the kind of the classic. Um, but you know, and, and just, yeah, it was just like, it was a, a bold tactic. I agree. They, they, they appealed to a certain people who didn't want Brexit. They wanted to get it, stop it completely, but to not have any other major policies, not to push any major other policies did alienate a lot of people who would have voted from, but, didn't see another outcome, you know, at least Labour, you know, give them their, you know, we're going to get into their, into their, uh, at them at the moment and them in 2019, but the Lib Dems didn't push anything and at least Labour pushed other policies, which were some of them sensible, some of them ridiculous as with other, every, every other party, but Lib Dems didn't really push that much. And I, I can't see him. I don't see him recovering at all. How would you see him? Re- what do you think it's going to take for the Lib Dems to get back to? I think, it, I think the, it would, it would need a really charismatic leader, like a Nick Clegg style, mm. someone who could take on the, the take on the, the, the established parties. But it, yeah, mm. I don't think Ed did. I mean, they had that, didn't Ed, they? They had well, that with Tim Farron. That he was, he was a, no, not really. He's like, he, he was a bit more charismatic than they've got now. Like, I mean, he's charismatic as like your geography teacher is or <laughs> like that, you know, like, He's not really like, you know, like a Nick Clegg figure, someone seen as a potential prime minister as Nick Clegg kind of was in 2010. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't think Ed Davey is that because he's just, you know, he was in the cabinet in 2010. So why should he be any different? I don't really know that much about this other woman. So I couldn't really say, but she seems like she's a bit too similar to Joe Swinson, really. So, yeah, no, I agree with him on that one. Odysseus, so, what do you think? Yeah, he's got a big problem for them. You know, I remember... I'm not sure where, you know, they were saying how Jo Swinson just so overstretched herself by going on about this future prime minister thing that was just always nonsense. And the thing is, to an extent, it was almost nonsense with um, Nick Clegg, because if you actually look at what they got, they were, you know, very, even though there was that sort of time of Clegg mania, they were always very far off ever actually becoming the prime minister. And I think that, I think the only thing they really could do would be to go into coalition with the Labour Party like I think that's the only position I can ever really see them in because I just don't I don't think they could go with the Conservatives ever again and they'll obviously never have enough seats themselves but even that I don't know I just still see it as something that's quite unlikely to happen and the Lib Dems have attacked Labour so much um, recently I mean at least they have the thing with the, the, they'll probably attack Starmer a lot less than they did Corbyn um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think that they're they're going to find it see, difficult places. You see, I see the Lib Dems. I think they're going to def- they're going to struggle massively because they're always going to be the alternative vote. If you can't stomach yourself to vote Labour or Conservative, you vote Lib Dem because it's a bit of both, and that's never going to win you an election. You need to be the main thing. And they nearly got it in two thousand and ten. I agree with Albert. They need someone charismatic to take them, like Nick Clegg sort of was, you know. But oh. but now you you know you've you've got two people who you would who aren't electable 
person. You, you can't imagine standing outside number 10. You know, there's no one there who you could see going in coalition and making a real difference. I just think they're just become, going to become a, um, a party just seeking up, you know, different points of liberal viewpoints, like, you know, Black Lives Matters and climate change, things like that. They're just going to be picking up those, trying to get the young vote, which is never going to move from Labour for a foreseeable future. It's, you know, it, it's difficult. I think they've found themselves in such a difficult position. Now. And it all, I believe it is because of, you know, tuition fees, but you can't blame it all on that. It's, for me, down to the stop Brexit thing, I think it's alienated a lot of people to vote for them again. Can they be trusted? I don't think they can now. They've alienated such a large part of things who would vote for them because they couldn't bring themselves to vote for the other two parties. Um, but moving on to the, this, the, you know, the next party, Labour, Labour Party, obviously, uh, the official opposition in the British House of Commons for our non-British viewership, uh, or people who just don't know politics at all. Um, and obviously their leader is Keir Starmer, replacing uh, the infamous Jeremy Corbyn. Albert, what do you think of the state of the Labour Party right now? Well, right now it's not great. As I mean, as of the you know end of the 2020, uh, 2019 election even. Uh, but I think going forward, they could be in a better position. I think Keir Starmer has shown himself to be good in sort of um, when he's been in quest questioning the government. But at the same time, I still think that they could have been stronger in criticising the government on some of the things that the way they've handled coronavirus, particularly. Um, like the other day when I saw uh, the shadow health secretary on um, uh, on the news, I kind of thought, well, that's the first time I've actually seen him on BBC News in ages. So, like, you know, if I just feel like I haven't seen him holding the government to account as much as they could be. Mm. But, you know, I think not, I'm not incredibly negative. No, Odysseus, what do you think of the, the Labour Party? Yeah, I mean, like, when you think about it, really, they've, you know, you look back to the election and how bad things were, you know, you had, you know, the fact that on election night, you're having Jeremy Corbyn saying they'd won the argument, even though it was such a horrific, horrific result. And now Labour in a position where they have a leader who is broadly seen as electable, who's been pretty good at scrutinising the government, who is, I think, you know, pretty much shot up in the opinion polls and in such a short space of time, I think was pretty much even with Boris Johnson. I'm not sure what it is now, but it's there's certainly your point where it's that. I think that, yeah, things have got a lot better. I think that they're electable. Um, and yeah, I think that going forward, they probably actually do have a chance at the next election. Um, to especially, and you know, I think it depends slightly on how coronavirus ends. Obviously, how badly the UK government managed it, certainly at first. Mm, but we'll get we'll get to there. We'll get to the, the yeah. Conservatives. Um, uh, so yeah, I think they have a good chance. Yeah, no, well, I don't think they have a good chance at all. I think an eighty majority to swing that to be able to get your own majority or a coalition is is, is huge. That's going to be the, a huge election update. I think it's going to take a couple of elections, so fifteen years to be able to overturn an eighty or 10 years, two elections to overturn that. Um, especially when Boris Johnson is, you know, is people do like him, you know, people do see him as a charismatic person and he doesn't talk great and say anything with substance, but he does get the, the people across. But I do, I do agree that I think they couldn't have got much worse after 2019. They were apps. They were a shambles. They, they Jeremy Corbyn brought them to, took the Labour Party to somewhere where they've, we're never ever going to win and to recover from that I think Keir Starmer's done a fantastic job so far as much as a conservative member and a and a you know activist it hates me to say it, I think Keir Starmer is a danger he's a he's a 
he's got everything there. I think he's lacking a bit of personality compared to Boris, but you put them side by side and they make, he makes Boris like a buffoon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. It doesn't take much, I know, but, um, you know, and I think that he's, he's the thing. Do you think that um, with Kistami, you know, with the, in terms of the anti-Semitism things, do you think that he's going to get a, you know, get a hand on that and, and sort it out in the party, Albert? Uh, I don't think that that'll be as big as a problem for him going forward, particularly if he takes, if he's seen to be taking a stand against it, as he kind of has with getting rid of Rebecca Long Bailey and stuff like that. Like, as long as he can, sh- like, say that it's not acceptable and kick out any, you know, if anyone tweets something stupid, then, like, get rid of them immediately. As long as he does that kind of stuff, it shouldn't be too much of a problem for him, I don't think. Because mm. I never really believed that the party was anti-Semitic as such. No, but, I, I, I believe the party wasn't. Was there was a problem of not standing up to it and not yeah. being able to, and, you know, treating anybody who said that there was a problem as a candidate. Exactly. You know, I don't joke. think the party approved of it, but they didn't do enough to stop it. And it's the same with the concerns with Islamophobia. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean the party's Islamophobic. It just means that, you know, they haven't done enough to stop it. Uh, Otto says, what do you think about uh, Keir Starmer? He's going to sort out the anti-Semitism problem in his party? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, it's obviously not entirely within his control because he obviously needs everyone that's working sort of, I guess, below him in their different roles. He needs all of them to be effective as well because it, it was it certainly wasn't just Corbyn, even though Corbyn was, you know, let's be honest, certainly an, a considerable issue, let's just say. It was unelectable. The anti-Semitism. Um, so, yeah, I think, but I think that they probably will be able to do a much better job and I think it's something they'll really focus on and prioritise. Um, and, yeah, so I think that they probably will manage to deal with it quite considerably. Mm. And, um, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I think Keir Starmer, he, he hasn't got a, a history of anti-Semitism and that's, the media can't get him for it. And that's what Corbyn was. He had the, the history of all this, uh, all these troubles and, and it was always going to bring him up in elections. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, so do you think, um, when it comes to the manifesto, you know, the, broadly speaking, a lot of people, well, yeah, a lot, a lot of people rejected the Labour manifesto at the 2019 election. And in, in 2017 as well. Um, do you think that Keir Starmer will have to take a different approach? Do you think he'll have to reject the pressures of momentum, uh, the, the uh, you know that that side of the the Labour Party to be able to bring in a a better manifesto than it was in the in 2019, Albert? Well, I I think that there's a lot of stuff in that manifesto that people are interested in and people would be willing to accept. I think it was a question of marketing uh, in terms of which which policies they chose to promote better but i don't think he should somehow shift the party incredibly to the center or something like that i think that there's a lot that there's an appetite in britain for a lot of you know left-wing ideas and you know i think that he'll be able to take the best of corbynism and bring in you know something new to the table because i still Mm. wasn't all bad in my opinion no uh what do you think oddy do you think about the? Yeah. Uh, do you think, what do you think Corbyn? Do you think Starmer has to do manifesto-wise to be able to win voters over? I think that he needs to cut out some of Corbyn's policies, in in terms of investment, in the sense that I think, you know, every investment Corbyn pledged individually was fine, but because he pledged basically all of them, you know, he said he was going to invest way more in pretty much everything. That's at the point you get accused of being unelectable. So even though each of the policies individually were popular, I think put together they were always going to be unpopular. So basically, she needs to cut 
some of them out. And I think there's also other certain things like, you know, I think obviously Corbyn had a lot of problems in terms of his foreign policy and who he was friends with, uh, in terms of some other groups which Keir Starmer pretty much automatically deals with because he's not associated with some of those people. Um, so yeah, but generally I think that there's quite a lot you need to get rid of from Corbynism, but not everything. Mm, no, I agree. I think it's it's time for the Labour Party. They know that, you know, the country's rejected uh, Corbyn's politics twice and they will happily do it again if Starmer does it. I think Starmer is the perfect opportunity now. The Labour need to grasp this opportunity they've got now and, and take it in a different direction, not take it um, back to Corbyn. They can move forward to centre-left uh, and bring in some policies that Blair had that at work so well, especially at a time now, you know, where we need some sensible economic policies. And I don't just don't think that Corbyn's policies right now when we're going through economic hardship um, is... Uh, is needed really i think i think yeah i think it's it's time for for a new sort of tack to be able to win voters over because like i said as we're going to move in now to the conservative party uh you know they're in a a very different situation i would say obviously the conservatives in 2019 got the 80 seat majority the largest tory majority since thatcher's third election victory um but you know everyone thought this this fantastic policy you know they came in with an absolutely fantastic uh budget uh Rishi Sunak, uh, but then all of a sudden coronavirus happened and it's really changed the light of, of the party. So Albert, what do you make of the current situation within the Conservative Party? Uh, well, I think uh, that coronavirus has just kind of shown up what a lot of the government's weaknesses already, you know, like underfunding the NHS and general incompetence. Um, so I don't necessarily think the coronavirus. Can just, I can I just pull you up on that? I don't. I wouldn't say it's an underfunding NHS. Do you think it's more misspent? Uh, well, I think it's a combination of both. To be honest, I think it's yeah. both underfunding and misspending the funding. But anyway, anyway, yeah, sorry. But yeah, <laughs> but, but, but in 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 general, they're probably not in the worst position ever. And I can't really say where they'll come out of it at the end of this because I don't really know what's going to happen next. But yeah. it certainly hasn't put Boris in a great light among a lot of the British public. I know lots of people who might have voted for him at the last election m- might not vote for him now as a result of everything that's happened over the last few months. Yeah. Uh, Odysseus, what do you make of the, the Conservative Party in uh, in 2020? Yeah, I think that, again, they're in a much weaker position than they were immediately after the election. I think that like Albert said, coronavirus has really exposed a lot of the things that they've done. Um, and also, they've just got so many, you know, procedures that are just really poor practice. You know, having someone like Dominic Cummings as involved as he is, even though he pretty much has no legitimacy, neither in terms of his election, nor actually in his specialisms. Um, and that's probably going to continue to be, exp- you know, we don't know what, but it probably will continue to be exposed over the next five years. Um, so yeah, I think that they're actually in certainly, I'd say they're definitely in as weak as a position as you can be with the majority that they have, which is still not that weak position necessarily because of that majority. But I think that, you know, if things go in a certain way, it could be very easy to see them getting voters out. I just think that they have such a weak, such a poor way of doing things that they probably will continue to get exposed. Well, I think, I think the, obviously being a Conservative Party member, I know the situation within the party, it's, they've messed up on coronavirus. I think, I think everyone 
in the country, even a cons- you know actual sensitive, sensible conservative members know that they've messed up. The people who are saying they haven't messed up are the ones who simply want to lick the ass of the party for the foreseeable future. Um, they've messed up, but I think they were going in the right direction before coronavirus. I think with the the budget that Sunak put out, it was so positive. It was it was the best budget that I've seen. It was just down my street of what we needed. Um, and I think that coronavirus has affected that. If after coronavirus, we don't know how long it's going to be, what the recovery plan is, there's going to have to be a new budget. I think if they get that right, you could see the Conservatives going back up. As for Boris Johnson, I think that he's um, not the right person to lead the party. I've always said that I didn't vote for him in the leadership election. I voted for Jeremy Hunt. Uh, I think he's done his pur- served his purpose now of, of getting Brexit done, which I think is a fantastic achievement and getting an 80 majority, which will last a generation. But I, I just think now he's been shown up as a, you know, he's, he's not the person that, that to lead in a time of crisis. He thought he would be with Churchill and he thought words and we'll get through this and things like that would work. But when it actually came to it, he didn't have, he, just, he hasn't got enough, has he? Well, I think it's, it's part of the problem is when you look up, when you look at what kind of people are most likely to be affected by coronavirus and you think that one of the key reasons about it spreading is about people in poverty and, you know, people living together in large amounts of housing, people being poor in general. I think that that's one of the issues that the Conservative Party haven't addressed for the past 10 years. And it's possibly why. How do you address that? Albert? It's been as bad as possible. Well, how do you address I, well, the, the I don't I don't personally know that, you know, that well, but I know that it's not there's a lot better that you could be doing. I just I just do. think that it's it, that comes down to, you know, it, it's been said, you know, in in reports things that is culture and and, and ethnic cultures which have, have made them more susceptible to uh, to the virus. Um but in terms of Boris Johnson, I, I yeah, I do think that he he's he needs to buckle up. He needs to buckle up because I, I think now he's got he's shone up. And I think especially with someone, it was all right against Jeremy Corbyn when it was someone as weak as him. And, you know, I'm, thank God we actually didn't have Jeremy Corbyn now throughout all of this because I think it would be an absolute disaster. But I just think that the, in, against Keir Starmer, I think, he's, I think he is in trouble. I really do. I think that he's, if he loses seats in the next election, if he loses an 80% majority, he gets it down to 30, 20. That's, that's, that's him gone, surely. Oddie, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, firstly, I'll point out that Boris Johnson pretty much couldn't have done a worse job in coronavirus. So it wouldn't have been really worse if Jeremy Corbyn was prime minister. I think it would have, they probably both would have just mismanaged it as much as each other because I don't think he could have done a worse job or got it more wrong. Well, he could have just not locked down at all. Well, I mean, where, what's, where's the evidence to say that Corbyn? No, I'm not saying, I'm not, no, I'm not saying he would have done. I'm saying that, you know, that I'm saying that Boris to do a worse job, he could have just left it as it was. So you could have done a worse job. Okay, I mean, technically. Okay, so technically he could have done a <laughs> slightly... But I mean, but generally, though. Yeah. You know, he, he pretty much every decision wrong. Um, and so in terms of what could happen, like I've said, I, I think that he could lose the election. I really do think that, you know, the opinion polls An 80 were majority. very close. With the changing of boundaries as well, which is happening before the next election. Honestly, do you honestly think that an 80 plus majority will go? It's not going to happen. Not next election. Two or three elections? Yes, but not in one. I mean, yes, I think it could because, okay, so for one thing, Conservatives will have been in power by then 15 years, which is an extremely long time. You know, in this, you know, if you look at this country historically, you pretty much get a change after around that mark. Um, You also just have the fact, I mean, 
I think in some ways he could get away with coronavirus if there's a British vaccine first, which could happen. I think that, you know, they could easily sort of sell that saying, oh, you know, this is a victory for British research and stuff like that, which may just about wash with the electorate, especially as probably most of them will be so happy that their lives are more normal anyway. But I think that generally that I just, I'm, I more just think that there's, with the, the situation that there is, and we've talked about this in, on previous podcasts, there was the one last week where we talked about, I think it was the security advisor or something who had no experience, and Theresa May had to go on that. And like I've mentioned today, again, with, you know, Cummings, and just, there's just so many things. The, the way that the Conservative Party is set up at the moment, they're basically incapable of dealing with pretty much any problem that comes with their way. Like, they're incapable of dealing with these problems properly. And in the next four years, there are going to be a lot of problems. And that sort of whole setup is just going to be, you know, flawed and there's going to be a lot of consequences. And I think that that is could easily be enough to lose them power. Yeah, see, I partly agree with there, Ollie, on the on the fact, you know, the government haven't, uh, so far, every single problem they haven't dealt with. But you, when it comes to political issues in the future, which is what you would usually expect in, in times of normality, of course, this is a far from times of normality, uh, you would expect uh, Boris Johnson and people around him to win. Conservatives usually come out on top in political battles in the, well, since the last 10 years, 15, well, it'll be 15 years in the next election, they would have come out in pretty much all the political battles. They have definitely in the last te- uh, 10 years. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, you can't really throw in that the, the coronavirus movement because I do think that Boris Johnson, as a politician, as a, someone with a full parliament, you know, 18 majority behind him, I, I think he would wipe the floor with, with with Keir Starmer, I think he'll wipe the floor with with anyone that comes his way because he's a, he's that sort of person. I'm not saying his policies; I'm saying that as a, him as a as a politician, uh, he comes across this person. You know, he's part of the reason that people he won such a large majority is because he got the right message and he was the right person to deliver that message. But like I said, I disagree with you on the fact that I think he'll, they'll lose the next election. I mean, an 80 majority with the change of boundaries is a very hard thing for Labour to do, especially when you know that's a lot. I'm not saying they'll the Labour Tories will increase the majority. I think it will go down. I think it'll go down to about 60 uh, or 55 or something like that. But I don't think they'll lose. I don't think you'll see Keir Starmer in, the, in 2024. I really don't. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so, Albert, you've, we've obviously with the travel ban is in Spain, but it isn't in Zimbabwe, is it? Uh, what's happening over uh, in, uh, in the greatest country, on God's earth. No, no. Well, I, I've, I've been checking out and there's been an interesting story about uh, apparently Zimbabwe has agreed to pay $3.5 billion, which is US dollars, not Zimbabwean dollars, because that's about, that would be about 10 p. <laughs> um, in compensation to white farmers whose land was expropriated by the government. Well, uh, they're making progress, aren't they? So, it, yeah, the government of former President Robert Mugabe evicted 4,500 white farmers from their land. Uh, so you know, it's an interesting topic. And well, today, today they've been uh, preparing. Soldiers have been clearing streets ahead of some protests, apparently. Uh, so yeah, what's the protest it's, over? Does it say? It's not all fantastic in Zimbabwe, as you know. Usually, it's so brilliant. But yeah, but you know, but they're, they're they're going in the right, but in the progressive tracks. There, you know, they've you know they've got the police on the streets. You know, they've got uh, the white farmers are getting reparations i think it's it's moving in the right right direction after you know the great robert mugabe but uh, obviously uh Mug, what's his what, what's the guy called is it mugwanga is it emerson managua managua yeah he's um you know he's taken a country election even though he is you know won his election 
well, he didn't even win his election, did he? But uh, 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 a bit I of corruption there. Well, I think he was elected. He was elected, but there's always there's, there was a bit of you is know, it thing around election is, you know. It's yeah, we they we, they always hold uh, something against them. Um, so yeah, thank you, Albert. I uh, hope you have a safe flight back, or if you got back by now, I, don't I did. I did. I did get back. I, uh, yeah. Obviously, you don't have to quarantine from Zimbabwe, so you're, you're back yeah, on the streets. Yeah, I'm back, I'm back. Um, and obviously, next week, uh, Odysseus will be taking us to another country of his to see what's happening uh, over there. So we look forward to sending Odysseus over there, and hopefully, there's no travel ban on where he goes. Um, so obviously, end of the podcast, we always do a nice little, nice little quiz to sort of ease off. And I've got a lovely one here for you. Obviously. It's the Albert versus Odysseus challenge. The series one champion is, you know, we've got 10 episodes. So uh, we're going to do the, so of the 10 episodes, we're going to have a champion. And we've got episode nine. So we've got this one. So it's currently 5-3 uh, to Albert. So uh, it, going back. So Odysseus wins the next two. It goes to a dead heat in, uh, in episode 10, uh, obviously next week. So we're going to find a, a champion next week unless Albert wins here. So it's a higher or lower quiz this week. Uh, and it's on uh, conserv- so the it's conservative majorities from 1951 to 2019. We're going to say higher or lower majorities uh, through that. So you know what the rules are. I'm going to give you the first one. Uh, and then you're going to go round, higher or lower. Whoever got the most points at the end wins and claims the point for this week. Okay. Are you okay with the rules there, boys? I understand. Yep. So in 1950, Albert, you're going to go first uh, on alphabetical order. Uh, in alph- so in 1951... Uh, so Winston Churchill got a majority of 17. By the way, I just want to say before we start, the, these are election results, not what they ended their term with. This is exactly what they got uh, uh, through majority. So in 1951, Winston Churchill got 17 majority. 1955 was Sir Anthony Eden. What do you think he got, Albert? Higher or lower than 17? Uh, than 17, I'm going to say. Think about the time, the historical time here. It's a tough one. Claire Hope, long at home as well. Uh, we like to see and tell, tell, us, tell me how, how many you've got as well from this. I'm going to say higher. You're going to go higher. Well, Albert, the answer is higher. Uh, Anthony even got 60 majority. Uh, so over to you, Odysseus. Albert oh. takes first blood here. 1959, Harold Macmillan. Did he get a higher majority than 60? No, I reckon that'll be lower. Lower? Yeah. Well, Odysseus steps up and he puts it over the bar. Uh, Macmillan got a majority of 100. One hundred. So I Albert takes the lead. Uh, Nineteen seventy, Albert. Edward Heath. Did he get a higher or lower majority than a hundred in nineteen seventy? So obviously we've had Labour government since then, but it's just Conservative majority. So in nineteen seventy, it's got to be it's got to be lower than a hundred. Albert steps up and puts it in the top corner. It is a majority of thirty, which is lower. So Albert two 0 up. Still all to play for though. Still all to play for. Now we're going to get into it. Odysseus, over to you. 1979, a couple of Labour governments. Margaret Thatcher comes in for a first election. Is it higher or lower majority than 30? Margaret Thatcher, 1979. Remember, play along at home. Tell us what you got on social media. Social media is at A Week in Politics and at Real Podcastings on Twitter. I'll say, what are you going for? I'm going to take the people out of their misery who's self-promoting and say higher. Well, it's very close. It is correct. Their order says it's on the board at 2-1. Margaret Thatcher got a score of 43, a majority of 43, which is higher than the Edward He's 30. Over to you, Albert. Margaret Thatcher again in 1983. She called an election. Did she get a higher majority than 43? 
Now, this has definitely got to be higher because I think this is the election that was the uh, longest suicide note in history on Labour's manifesto. (laughs) And the Falklands War was in full swing, so this has got to be a higher majority. Higher. Well, she got a resounding majority of 144. So it was definitely higher. So it's Albert 3, Odysseus 1. 1987, Odysseus. Margaret Thatcher's still in. It's a third election result. If If you're listening in the podcast, you would know what the answer to this one. Uh, obviously 144 for Margaret Thatcher in 1983. Was it higher or lower in 1987? I think it would have been lower. Well, I said you were bang on. It was 102. Obviously, that was uh, the largest majority since 2019 for the Conservatives. It's 102. Uh, obviously, that means Albert gets a free point here with John Major in 1992. <laughs> I was say. It was obvious, wasn't it? I mean, 1992, I was, John I was, Major. No, I was going to go with lower because he, uh, uh, he still won, but with a... Because it, it was quite a close one. They weren't yeah. so well, of course, he got lower. It was 21 for John Major um, in 1992. And then, obviously, we had uh, Big Blair coming in now for a couple of times. So we head, head over to 2010. Now, honestly, I'm going to throw you at this as a spin here. Is a higher or lower than John Major? In 2010, David Cameron got in a coalition. And I want you to know what the majority seats were over the Labour Party in this coalition. In the, in the higher or lower than 21, yes. Uh, um, I reckon with the Lib Dems, it'll be higher. Higher? We were bang on, I'll say. It was 78 with the Lib Dems. Obviously, we knew that it was always going to be whoever got the most there would have had a, a, a thing, but it wasn't really a majority as the, the Lib Dems. So, I'll say three. Albert on four. Albert will take the win if he gets this one right. Hey, will he? Oh, we haven't got three more elections to go. Well, that's the thing. We can't include the trees because she didn't actually win a majority, did she? Yeah. She won a minority government. So, Albert, 2015, David Cameron, higher or lower than 78? Well, I think it has to be, actually, it has to be lower because he didn't have... Hold on. Actually, no. We're going to change. Actually, no. No, I've done it. I've done it wrong. Um, well, because it, 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 it wouldn't have been that high because he didn't have a lived... Um, Coalition, he would have the majority like 78. But as Albert, as you're about to win, it's not particularly fair. And I'll say, I'm changing the rules. Um, well, guess exactly how many seats. <laughs> well, uh, so they got in 2010, yep. So they got, um, was it higher or lower? So David Cameron's seat majority was it? Oh, it's, it's, I don't really matter either way. Was it higher or lower than in 2010 for David Cameron in 2015? Include, including the Lib... So it's lower than with the Lib Dems? No, no. All right, just it, it discounting the Lib Dems completely. Discount the Lib Dems this time. It's a majority. Right, okay. So it's, high. it's, it's higher if it's without the Lib Dems because he got his own majority. He didn't need a coalition. You're bang on right, Albert. Albert takes when it is higher and David Cameron got a majority of 12 then. That but obviously, like, just for points, I'll say 2019 with Boris Johnson. Higher or lower than 12? We all know the answer to this. Lower. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'll take your first answer. I have to accept your first answer. Um, no, it is higher. So, Albert, congratulations with a 5-4 win over um, Odysseus. That takes you on to 6-3 now uh, going into next week where I might make it, I might make it interesting. I'm going to say it is winner takes all next week. In the oh, here we go. I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> winner takes all. So, next week, I'm going to come up with an extra high. It could be higher or lower. It could be... Um, uh, real or no real 
it's going to be a real surprise of what it's going to be. It could be a completely new game to throw you off. But Albert, you're 6 3. If Odysseus wins next week, he will become the first champion. It's all to play for next week. Tune in to see who will claim the first ever Week in Politics Championship. Uh, and on that bombshell that we've just left you on, uh, that is the end of this podcast, episode nine. Uh, I'd like to thank Albert and Odysseus for joining us this week, podcast. And uh, it's been great. It's been a great episode with a, a ton of laughs at the, at the expense of Tom Harwood. Again, I'm calling him out. Tom Harwood, come on the podcast, face up to some scrutiny. Don't ignore us anymore. Uh, I'd like to say thank you and we'll see you all next week.